Purdue could have another portal edition soon. That's among the many topics on the Gold and Black radio podcast, and we'll hit them all. Kyle Charters with Tom Deanhart. The portal could provide another, and we'll get to that. But first this. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, Industrial and Classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, Tom, let's hit a little football news here hard today on this Monday Golden Black Radio podcast being recorded on a Tuesday. (laughs) Uh, Sorry for the 24-hour delay. Um, All right, uh, so it does give us a chance to talk a little bit about the fact that there will be a new portal edition here soon for the Boilermakers. Yeah, you are correct. Uh, uh, pretty certain that they got another commitment out of the portal, Kyle. And according to my math, I've been trying to track these players on scholarship for Purdue, and I have that all chronicled on a on a post that's on the message board. But I feel pretty pretty confident it's pretty accurate. And with this new commitment, uh, Purdue would be up to eighty four scholarship players. So obviously, you only allowed eighty five. So as you can see, again, if my math, my scholarship math is correct, things are getting tight from a scholarship standpoint for Purdue. Yeah, I mean, that that math uh, adds up to uh, not a whole lot of space left. You think there's the possibility that others could leave and open up some more space? How will Purdue manage that here? I mean, there's still a long way to go between now and the fall. It seems like uh, there would be a possibility for there to be some more wiggle room there in terms of uh, guys leaving perhaps guys coming on. Yeah, there could be, who knows um, how they're going to make those numbers work. If they have more guys they want to add. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch them manage this roster as we head toward training camp early August. And of course the season opener on September 2nd at home against Fresno state. And I, I I'm pretty sure Kyle that the staff still has a couple other areas that need. They'd like to be able to augment it if they could with some portal players. I, but I think the top spot's probably offensive tackle. I think if they could get an offensive tackle, they would love it. Um, maybe another defensive end. 
they did have a commitment from Anthony Campbell, but he kept shopping himself around Kyle and, and committed to Miami over the weekend. And, and I think they still would take another cornerback. They have the Sean Stevens kid who's still out there trying to win an appeal for a seventh year of eligibility. And he, he should hear something here soon. And if he wins his appeal, I think Purdue would take him. So, um, yeah, like I said, there's still a couple a couple of years I think the staff would like to, to bring in some other players at. Yeah, that's three positions you mentioned in only one spot. So it seems like something would have to get yeah, uh, there yeah. somewhere here over the next several months to be able to make that work out. Oftentimes it does work out. It's pretty uh, pretty crazy, this, this environment uh, with so many guys coming and going. It was complex before. Now it's a little bit insane. Um, there's a lot of Big Ten issues to talk about these days. Uh, I don't know where to start. Let's start with, I, I guess, uh, and you had a story about this earlier uh, this week on goldblack.com about the officials' command center that hopefully will help out with some of the officiating that we uh, saw here over the last year, both in basketball, but in this case, talking about football. Uh, what do you know about this command center? Will it happen? Uh, what's it going to look like? How will it work? It's coming, Kyle, for 2023. And uh, the amazing thing is, is the Big Ten was the only Power Five league that had yet to have a Big Ten officiating command center. Uh, off-site so um, the Big Ten was slow to the party here of course for the uninitiated you know these command centers again are off-site facilities where um, select individuals are monitoring games and, and when, a, when a play is under review they get involved in, in helping the on-site officials determine the correct call to make right you know so that's that's what we're looking at and and for the coming year Kyle you know the it's not going to be in Chicago, I'm told. It's going to be in some facility that works with the Big Ten in Pittsburgh, but they want to build one in Chicago. There's not enough room at the Big Ten headquarters out there by the airport to have it in that facility. So they're going to have to build a separate facility in Chicago to, to house this, this uh, command center. So, yeah, it's coming. And, again, the hope is, you know, that, like you said, it makes the officiating and, and the decisions better. I know there is some hand-wringing worry about who's actually going to be sitting in that command center making those decisions. So it's going to be fun watching this thing come together over the summer and as we get into the fall. Tom, how much room do they need, man? I got a little space down here in my basement, my computer. They can just call me if they want. What are we, what are we talking about here? Make them from your Barca lounger. I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of infrastructure stuff they need from a technology standpoint. I think that's what it is. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm not sure. So, yeah, that's, that's going to be, a, like I said, uh, one of the bigger, I think, um, summertime uh, topics um, uh, concerning Big Ten football. Uh, another big topic, uh, and this is, is, is national along with the Big Ten, clearly. Uh, there's a report out there that, that Oregon and Washington could join the Big Ten <laughs> along with a bunch of other – reports of, of of realignment or whatever uh i didn't it's crazy when this stuff comes up i don't anticipate it i don't know if people are anticipating it but it just seems to i guess spring up and when otherwise uh maybe there's a news void a little bit uh what do you know about conference realignment at this point point? you know may's the big month for conferences to have their their meetings you know the acc i think is having theirs right now and yeah, boy, it seems like 
first of all, the ACC real quick, there's talk now about there's a, a, a quote unquote magni magnificent seven group of ACC schools that want to break out break away from that league, you know, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, Virginia, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, North Carolina State. Uh, they, they see the handwriting on the wall. They don't think they can survive uh, in that conference. They're not going to make the kind of money schools in the SEC and the Big Ten are making. So we'll see where that goes. But uh, there's a very airtight grant of rights that they're going to have to try to get out of. So that's on everybody's radar. And in the Pac-12, right, it almost seems like a – a conference that's that's doomed for the scrap heap, doesn't it? Yeah, they're still waiting to get their their TV contract finalized. That can keeps getting kicked down the road. There's been talk, Kyle, for months uh, about the Big Twelve wanting Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, the four corner schools, so to speak, to join the Big Twelve. So um, that will be or has been an interesting storyline to watch, and then. As you know, there's been speculation for months about Oregon and Washington coming to the Big Ten soon after USC and UCLA came last summer, right? They are the two biggest plums left in the Pac-12. And everybody knows that both those schools would love to join the Big Ten. And honestly, it seems like it's a matter of not uh, if, but when it happens here. Maybe I'm being too pessimistic from a Pac-12 standpoint, but I, I just think those schools out in L.A., USC, UCLA, they need some other Western flank members to help with scheduling and whatnot. And Washington and Oregon certainly bring a lot to the table, Kyle. You know that the Oregon program, what it's become the last 20, 25 years in Washington, to me, is one of the great programs in America. A lot like a Big Ten school, loves its football, has great heritage and a great market up there in the Northwest, too. So. Yeah, this could be a very active summer for conference realignment. We're not in June yet, so it's going to be fun to see if anything, if, if any of these things pop in the next couple of months or so. Uh, a Big Ten with UCLA, USC, Oregon, and Washington. What? I like it. Why not? <laughs> think of it. Yeah. Think of it. Think of it. The NFL. You know, bad and I about having Los Angeles and New York in the same. Like, don't think of it as conferences. Think of it as a league. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the regional aspect of of conferences is just it's just over. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah. Believe me, I wish it was 1985 as much as anybody else. But this is the reality we live in. And this is the direction we're going. Everything's getting getting a, a smaller and scope wise and bigger in their depth. Yeah. All right, you wrote something earlier this week, too, uh, Tom, on on schedules and, and the Big Ten and, and Power Five opponents and how that will all play out now into the future. I mean, uh, so much of this seems uh, to be decided, especially, you know, if you have expanded conferences with up to 18 teams uh, now in those and how that works from a, from a football perspective. Do you really need to be playing a Power 5 non-conference team when you're, you're playing 10 conference games or, or whatever, and, and each one of those is potentially against an, an Oregon and a, a USC and – Ohio State, yeah. Michigan. Uh, what's the thought from Purdue's perspective on whether Power Fives will stay part of the non-conference schedule? Yeah, that was a report late last week from Brett McMurphy that said the Big Ten was considering dropping its requirement that every league school play at least one Power Five non-conference opponent per season. I spoke to Purdue AD Mike Bobinski about that just to get his boots on the ground perspective from West Lafayette and 
he didn't foresee Purdue dropping any of its future non-conference games that it already had scheduled, Kyle. And if you go on the university website, look at the, the future schedules, you can see the opponents there stretching all the way out to 2033, I think. Um, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, Texas Christian, North Carolina are some of the schools. Notre Dame, of course, is coming as well. So he didn't anticipate Purdue dropping anybody. Um, but moving forward, like you said, it's going to be an interesting debate for these schools, especially, Kyle, if the Big Ten does grow to that 18-team league. And maybe, Kyle, they had make, maybe they make it a 10-game conference schedule where you only have two non-conference games like you talked about. Yeah. Do you really want to play two more power, one more power five opponent? You got to play 10 Big Ten opponents. So uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how, how it evolves. And I wouldn't be shocked, Kyle, if the, if the TV networks in the future – would want the conference to play 10 league games uh, just to give them a, a better depth and breadth of quality conference opponents and games to choose from. So, yeah, that, that's going to be a, another thing for everybody to keep on their radar here moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's where it's probably trending toward, especially with expanded conferences. you got to play more games. Uh, and why yeah. not, really? I mean, with 18 teams, why not play uh, 10 of those uh, in the league I mean it just seems to make a little bit of sense and you know we're just trending in that direction where, where there's going to be big conferences uh, and fewer out of conference games it seems like all right uh, let's take let's take a quick break here we'll come back uh, your series on post spring questions we're not going to take those position by position necessarily but maybe some of the big thoughts you have leaving spring on each one of produce positions we'll do that coming up next this is gold and black radio Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. All right, Tom, you're taking a position-by-position position look at the Boilermakers post-spring. Some big questions for each one of those. Uh, at the risk of, of not going forever here, let's maybe not take these position-by-position. Position. <laughs> uh, but uh, people can read more in-depth if they want at goldenblack.com, ongoing series there. What are some of your thoughts uh, maybe about some of the big questions uh, for Purdue? Perhaps start offensively. What, what do you think coming yeah. out of the spring? I still, I still think backup quarterback to a degree. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm nitpicking here. Uh, uh, you hope Hudson Carson stays healthy, but I think we talked about this before, Kyle. I thought when Purdue did go to the portal to get a quarterback, they would, they'd, they would bring in more of a veteran to be the number two guy. Well, they just got another redshirt freshman, which was the same class as Brady Allen. So, uh, again, Bennett Meredith is the quarterback from Arizona State, never taken a snap in college. That's your backup quarterback. Maybe, maybe he's ready, maybe he's not. Who knows? And like I said before, Kyle, last time Purdue had a quarterback start every game for them in the season was 2016, David Blau. So, that, that again, that's something that still is, is, in, is, is on my radar. Offensive line at tackle. I talked earlier about the need for an offensive tackle. I think Purdue's strong on the interior, center, and guard. But the tackle spots, Kyle, boy, once you get past uh, Musa, you know, Daniel Johnson is coming off injury. There's yeah. some of these transfers like Ben Farrell ready. So, that to me, that's a little bit of a worry. And then the other one on offense, Kyle, is, is the number one wide receiver. You know, last week, Brock Thompson made it official. 
He's retiring from football because of injury. He's expected to stay as a student coach. Um, who's going to be the number one wide receiver with Charlie Jones gone? Is Mershon Rice one? Is TJ Sheffield one? Is Deion Burks? I don't know, Kyle. There's a lot of good receivers, but I'm not sure if there's a true special first-team All-Big Ten kind of a wideout on the roster. Yeah, I agree with you there. Hopefully one of those guys is taking that as a little bit of a challenge and, and does step up. I think I think Purdue has talent, but whether there's a, a an A number one guy is a, is a big question. They brought in two portal receivers, the kid from Florida Atlantic and Marshall, but again, I'm not sure if they're number one receiver guys. Yeah. Now, uh, um, on defense, I think for me, um, you know, I think the inside linebackers are just sort of solid guys. Jacob Wahlberg, Ghosty Brothers, Clyde Washington, Yanni Karloffis. I don't think they're going to look to the portal for any help, but um, they're, they're just kind of pedestrian there, I think. Um, I think um, cornerback, I mean, Kyle, there's been no position on the team that's been impacted more by portal products than the cornerback. I think there's, what, four four portal cornerbacks have already been added by Purdue, and they also are bringing in a junior college cornerback. Uh, these guys need to hit the ground running and be productive because uh, that was a position of great need. They went out and got help. Now these guys have to deliver. So that's certainly an area that uh, a lot of people are going to be watching and scrutinizing. And again, uh, from a positive standpoint, how about the outside linebackers, Kyle? I think that could be the best position on the team. Uh, you have a buck, you have a fox, and that's the spot, Kyle, with Nick Carraway and Corday Sidner and Kydrin Jenkins, Scotty Humpich. Again, I think they have a lot of promising talent at, uh, at that outside linebacker spot. Yeah. So ultimately, then they win how many games next year? No, <laughs> just kidding. It's a hard one to predict at this point, isn't it? Yeah, you know, you've seen some of the early Las Vegas uh, uh, over/under win totals for teams, right? Purdue's been about five, five and a half. That's what Vegas has them as. And honestly, that's 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 maybe pretty close. I mean, we got to be honest with ourselves, don't we? When you consider the questions on the roster, personnel-wise. And when you look at the schedule, right, Fresno State, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, and you have Ohio State and Michigan, Iowa, Wisconsin. I mean, there, there's a lot of heavy lifting there. So uh, I think there, there's reason to have some skepticism about Purdue. And if they could get to six wins, just any bowl, Kyle, to me, that would be a success this year. Yeah. Yeah, hard to argue with that, considering everything. And uh, I think with a first-year coach, given the turnover, It'd be hard to be too disappointed in that either. Uh, thank you, Tom. Appreciate your time as always on this Tuesday right. rather rather than Monday. <laughs> you got it. Take care, buddy. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. Uh, thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right, that'll do it for our show for Tom Deanhart. I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Gold and Black Radio.